Welcome to the Age of Audio. My name's Graham Brown from the award-winning podcast agency Pickle & Co. The Age of Audio is a series of conversations with thought leaders and changemakers in the world of audio. That's podcasts, radio, and social audio, converging with big data to create engaging and authentic content for a new generation of listeners. And one of the things I want to start with is what's really interesting is what does a trained journalist know about storytelling that we don't yet know in podcasting? Because podcasting is very early stage, isn't it? People are still doing, you know, like man speaks to man type podcast. Journalists have a craft, many, many years of storytelling, learning to find human angles and so on. What did you learn as a journalist that we could learn from as podcasters? Yeah, well, there are actually uh, two different types of journalism when it comes to uh, telling a story. And the first is the, the one that you see most. It's actually not really storytelling. It's just saying, this is the news. This mm. is some more information. And when you get down on the article, it gets less interesting. So the interesting stuff is uh, in the first alinea. And then after that, it gets less interesting. That's, that's one way mm. of telling a story. But there's also storytelling in which you take more time or more words to tell a story and you actually want the audience to to engage until the end. And what I've learned, I've, I've studied history and, uh, and journalism, uh, journalism as a master's. What I've learned during my master's is that the basis of, of storytelling is zooming in and zooming out. So when you're telling a story, there's, there's this story. So this, a guy goes to a supermarket and buys groceries. But then there's like, uh, there's always a bigger story. This is a guy, he lives in a certain place. Uh, the supermarket is doing well because we're living in a crisis and everybody's at home, so they can only go to the supermarket. Uh, there's always a bigger story to tell than just a story. So if you're a good storyteller, uh, that's what, what I learned during my master's, you have to zoom in and zoom out all the time. So I'm telling mm. about this guy going to the supermarket. And it's interesting that we talk about supermarkets because during these days, supermarkets are really doing well. People are staying at home because of COVID. The only shop they can go to is a supermarket. So, well, they make a lot of money. Well, back to the guy. The, the guy is going to the supermarket. He's walking down the street in, uh, in London. Uh, London, uh, an interesting city. Yeah, you, go, you go back and forth all the time, zooming in and zooming out. That's one uh, technique uh, you learn at hmm. uh, journalism school. Is there any conflict of interest between telling a story and telling facts? Because when you think about storytelling, even as a kid, you know, mums tell kids, like, don't tell stories. <laughs> as if, you know, that stories means telling a lie, right? And then when we grow up, we think storytelling is somehow not factual. And the journalism is about truth, isn't it, really? So mm -hmm. is there not some dynamic tension? there that you, yeah. know, you have to tell a story you have to tell the truth are they the same or are they different i think there's a conflict because i, I think every journalistic piece that uh, uses storytelling has some imagination in it has some interpretation of facts uh, like when when uh, when you're telling a pure journalistic story about uh, stocks going down by five percent if you just tell that that these are facts but if you're telling a bigger story about how the world is influencing the stock market, there's always an interpretation of these facts. So there's always someone interpreting these facts and imagining what could be the effect of what's going on in the world on the stock market. 
And especially if you want to make a story very interesting, you want to make a story like with a beginning and an end, then it takes more imagination and interpretation to make a story interesting. Mm. So I, I think there's always a conflict, but I don't think it cannot exist at the same time. I think it's very important that we, and I, I, I speak now for we as journalists, but I'm not really a journalist anymore. I've got my own podcast company now, but I'm still using journalistic uh, techniques. I mm. think it, it's, it's very important to keep telling news and journalistic things in a way of storytelling. I think that's very important because otherwise an audience is not going to listen to a story, not going to read a story, not going to watch uh, a documentary. You have to make it a bit juicy. Otherwise the audience is not going to hmm. consume it. I think it's very important. If you want, you, you see with this documentary that's, uh, that's aired uh, a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months, it's called Seaspiracy. Hmm. It's like cowspiracy. It's about the environment. It's about climate and how we are not doing well with fishing. I think there are a lot of facts in it but it's also told in a certain way from a certain perspective that makes it juicy. So the audience is going to watch. Hmm. In the world of podcasting, who's getting that right? Who inspires you in terms of stories or the way of engaging audiences? Well, I'm actually most inspired by the guys of Gimlet. Uh, hmm. it's, it's actually one of the first uh, podcasts I listened. Uh, it was Startup. Hmm. It's, of course, a famous podcast by Gimlet and they... Uh, they actually take you on on their journey starting a podcast camp company and and I started listening that at the time that I was starting a podcast company so that was for me that was was really engaging I heard them uh, pitching to investors I heard them uh, brainstorming about a, a name so I could could just follow follow their podcast and and try to do the same thing and it was like a like a guide uh, so that was really in inspiring but but that's I don't know if that's really like engaging in a way that, that, that you can interact uh, with the podcasters. Nowadays, you, you see a lot more podcasters uh, starting to create communities. And mm. we're also starting to create communities. So we have uh, one podcaster, she's called Rolien. And her podcast is named, translated, it's, it's How Much Am I Worth? She's been a, a, how do you say, a steward on an airplane mm. yeah. for, 50, for 15 years. And at some point she thought, okay, I'm not going to do that for the rest of my life. I want to be a, a podcaster. And she, uh, she did an internship uh, at her company. And uh, in her podcast, How Much Am I Worth? is She's like finding out how much she's worth and how much she can put on her invoice and how much she can ask for, uh, for podcast jobs. Uh, and she speaks with people that uh, have already done that or are, are coaches or, uh, or influencers or whatever. And, and you can actually sign up for four euros a month uh, to get extra content hmm. and to be in a, a Telegram group. Uh, so they're all like a lot of women are, are in this group between the age of 30 and 45, uh, exchanging experiences, really forming a, a community. So that's, hmm. I, th I think if you're talking about engagement in, uh, in, in podcasting, I think that's uh, that's one thing that is happening right now. Hmm. It's almost like the old days of radio, but radio did this very well, didn't it? You had time at radio as a journalist as well. Like you know, radio survived by its ability to create a community. And in podcasting, a lot of people are just saying, oh, this is what I want to talk about. And hopefully I'll create a community by getting the guests to share with their people. Doesn't create communities, doesn't stick, doesn't convert. No. Yet this example that you talk about, the lady that's building a community, 
This is like an emerging model, isn't it? Where effectively you've got the property, which is the podcast, and you have the airtime, which could be, for example, a Telegram group. It could be Clubhouse. It could be LinkedIn Live. It could be a Reddit group. Mm-hmm. Whatever Facebook creates, LinkedIn, Reddit, etc. All those kind of audio spaces emerging. That I think this is the model now, isn't it? Creating community around your podcast. You've yeah. mentioned a really interesting example. What else do you see in this space that you think, well, these guys are doing something interesting, or you feel, you know, maybe this is more what we'll see more of in the next few years in community building. I think first we will see a lot more ads in podcasts. I think research shows that podcast listeners are actually okay with ads in podcasts or not. Uh, mm. offended by it or don't find it strange or something so i think we will see that uh, more and more also if you look at the numbers it's it's, it's getting more and more so we'll see that what i found find most interesting uh, when it comes to like business models and podcasting is sponsorships and not sponsorships in the old way that you say okay this production is sponsored or powered by uh, this mm. or that firm but actually uh, sponsoring a podcast by joining the podcast so this is also what i did for a series i made about doing business in the us it's called the overstake which is translated as the crossing uh, i went to new york for three months and I, uh, I found out how it is to do business in the us and that production is actually sponsored by three different big corporations hmm. uh, rabobank which is a big bank in the netherlands baker mckenzie big law firm and rsm big accountancy firm and they sponsored the podcast and they're not named in the podcast, but they, but I interviewed them once. Hmm. I, I interviewed them about, of course, opening a bank account in the US, about intellectual property. Uh, that's what I talked about with the law firm. I talked about insurances and taxes with the, uh, with the accountants. And they actually paid me to do my journalistic work. So they, I, I didn't have any like contract with them about what I can and cannot talk about. I just say, okay, if you want in my podcast, if you want to buy the chair to be in my podcast, that's possible. And mm. I think when it comes to really a commercial podcast, we'll, we'll see that more often. Mm. And I think there, there are going to be more and more uh, platforms uh, facilitating ads for podcasters. So you'll see more ads, you see more sponsored deals in which uh, companies buy themselves into podcasts and you probably see more platforms facilitating all that. And I've recently found out that I don't want to be a platform like that, but I uh, just want to make podcasts. And I hope there will be a lot of these platforms that I, uh, mm. that I can use. With that sponsorship model, how does that originate? Do you pitch the idea to those three brands or does somebody come to you? Where does it start? How does that work? Oh, it's, it's basically cold calling. It's uh, the, like, like sales uh, the old-fashioned way. Yeah. So I, I used to be a journalist and I worked at a, a radio station that is called Business News Radio. It's a, it's a national uh, broadcast, uh, broadcaster for, for business and, uh, and foreign political news. So I already had a, like a network of people in communications or marketing because these people were calling me all the time. Hey, I got a story. Maybe you want to talk about it on the radio. So I got this user list of people that I've already known uh, for years because they were uh, pitching stories to me all the time. And at some point, I started my own company, uh, Microphone Media, and I was starting the production of uh, this podcast series, The Crossing, about uh, doing business in the US. And, And I just like called all these people back. I said, hey, you pitched the story to me two years ago. Uh, 
now you can really tell your story with me, but uh, now you have to pay for it. <laughs> so uh, I just called them, and 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 this was uh, this was two years ago. So uh, the market wasn't as developed as as it is now, but uh, mm. they they were already back then were willing to uh, to to pay for being in in a podcast and to be interviewed in a in a production. And of course, I. I also had a distribution partner, like a, a news website that was was joining, and um, uh, so yeah, they were they were really into it, and uh, that's how that's how it worked. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Going out and hustling as well. What was the pitch like? I mean, you said it was two years ago. The market wasn't so developed as it is now. Did you? How did you make that work for those brands? Was it the numbers? Was it the concept? The idea? Because I imagine. You could pitch that to a lot of brands and they say, oh, well, you know, compared to an advert in the newspaper or compared to Facebook ads, for example, I'm going to get a different rate and a different type of engagement and reach here. What was the real core of it there that worked for you? Uh, well, when it, when it comes to pitching and sales, I always try to to sell to people uh, high up the, up the tree. Mm. Um but it's yeah. Sometimes you don't get there. Uh, but if you if you get there, it's it's way easier to talk, and you don't actually have to talk about numbers. They they just find mm. it fun, or they have some budget for it, and it's 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 way easier talking. But if you are lower on the chain and uh, you you have a, a champion that is also uh, that also has to to sell it w- within her or his own company, uh, then then the numbers are important. Mm. And uh, and and that makes it also actually hard to sell podcasts because if you compare a podcast to a banner or a video on Instagram, the numbers are way less. So they're 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 lower numbers. Uh, less people listen to podcasts until the end than people watching like thirty seconds to a video. They 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 see when they're scrolling their their Instagram feed. So when it comes to those numbers, it's it's actually hard to sell, and you're actually. Uh, making it yourself harder if you're saying oh, i'm gonna i'm gonna reach a ten thousand people with this podcast uh, because mm. i used to do that before they're saying i got ten thousand with this this banner campaign we, we pay half the price and we we reach like two hundred thousand people so that makes it hard to sell so what what i started doing was actually selling uh average consumption so you really have to make them believe that that's the most important thing about a podcast mm. that people actually listening and they're listening to the end of the podcast mm. so when i when i come with data i always show okay this is a series we made for this huge e-commerce platform in the netherlands and every single episode has an average consumption of 80 percent or higher so mm. when people not they're, they're listening maybe thousands of people are listening to the podcast maybe not hundreds of thousands but when people will listen they listen till the end of it so this is this is one of the few media forms in which you actually can tell a story and people are listening to the end so that makes it a worthwhile Mm. medium to use yeah there's a lot of good data isn't there about engagement numbers and time and how podcasts are you can also do you can also do the math if uh, ten thousand people are uh, listening to a podcast for 20 minutes then you have two hundred thousand of minutes people engaging with you so mm. that's also a, a good math thingy to use. Well, why do you think it's important that we sell podcasts on the basis of length of engagement? Because then people might just say, well, I can get 10 times more listeners or 10 times more clicks on another you know, Facebook platform, for example. 
why is the actual length of engagement a key selling point? Yeah, because you're not going to sell it with uh, with other numbers. You're not going to sell it. You maybe maybe in a couple of years. Um, but if we look at the Netherlands, and uh, I mainly work for for big corporations in the Netherlands, if your podcast is listened to like one hundred thousand or two hundred thousand times per episode, you're in in the top three podcasts. Hmm. So there there are not that many people listening to podcasts in the Netherlands. We've got, I think we've got 17 million uh, inhabitants right now and, and 5 million are listening to a podcast every single mm. month. So it is hard to sell with these numbers. So the, the average consumption is, is pretty much the only number you have. Mm. But I, I would advise anyone trying to sell their podcast, not starting with selling uh, with numbers because mm. uh, then it, it comes down to, to clicks. Uh, pretty fast and then uh, that's 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 uh, often answer conversation yeah absolutely right if you're going at the top level it's more about yeah. the idea yeah the, they, they, they they want to talk about strategy and they want to talk about their brand as a love brand okay we have to tell stories so that mm. people like mm. our brand that's a more abstract way of talking but it's easier to sell your podcast in in these situations mm-hmm. yeah if you put it in the context of communications for example what is the value of the ceo speaking on the radio or speaking to a journalist of the wall street time sorry the wall street journal or mm-hmm. you know being at that event speaking alongside other ceos these are all extremely valuable and in these instances people don't say what are the numbers like the ceo knows exactly that this is where they need to be and where they need to tell their story and it's long form as well. If they get 20 minute speaking engagement at this conference, to them that's valuable. And it's quite emotional. I think it's quite personal as well. It's very much built around the, you know, the emotional needs of leadership within these organizations. Yeah. Once you get down to the, you know, the lower levels, they can't take risks like that. They have to have the numbers because their boss will beat them over the head. Yeah, and you can't blame them. They're, 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 they want to make career themselves within the company, so they, they have certain targets, and yeah, uh, yeah they have to present numbers. Uh, that's how it works. But if you if you're talking with some someone uh, who's a manager or managing director, or even from the board, they're talking about strategy and not hmm. uh, not about the little numbers and not about budget that much. There, if if you if you if you're talking with someone lower on the chain, they're talking about thousands of euros and if you're higher up they're talking about tens of tens of Mm. thousands of euros and that's that's a different conversation you're having that's where we need to be what is it that you think about podcasting and the world of podcasts that the world disagrees with you on as a potential contrarian i'm sure you are because you're dutch (laughs) you like (laughs) to speak your mind very frankly uh, is there something that you think about podcasts that the world tends to not agree with you on? Shall I give you an example? Like for me, yeah. one thing I think that I see differently from the world is everybody's talking about advertising in podcasts mm-hmm. as a billion dollar market, one and a half billion, maybe growing to two billion by next year. But I look at podcasts and think, hang on a second, companies are spending 150 billion a year on press releases and PR and communications and talking to journalists, these comms guys speaking to journalists, right? They're spending 150 billion a year on that. I'm thinking, that's the market that I want. That's a hundred times bigger. 
And so I think a lot of people disagree with me because they only see advertising, but I see like this huge piece, which is about communications and thought leadership. And, you know, it's not as interesting as brand originals or like, you know, yeah. Well, I actually agree. I, agree. I agree with you. So it's 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 you and me against the world. Ah, but, I can't uh, answer that question now. It's like <laughs> somebody else agrees with me. So yeah, yeah. I, I've got one thing I think, and that's when it uh, comes to uh, video. Uh, I think what you will see is that more and more podcasters will start using video oh. because of promotion. And I understand that because one of the the best examples of that working is uh, the Joe Rogan experience. It's a podcast, mm. but everybody watches uh, like the, the, the snippets on uh, YouTube. I, th I think that works for, for the biggest podcasters out there in the world because they are, they're famous people, they're personalities. Yeah. But I, I, I see all these podcasters around me starting video as well, but I don't think that adds any real value to mm. the concept of podcasting I, I i understand that it's uh, for for promotion and uh, i understand why they do it but i think it takes so much more effort and the results you get out of also doing video are i think they're they're way less than uh, mm. people would expect but i i think i'm uh, i'm thinking i'm one, one of the few people in the world right, right now thinking that because I see video more and more. Right. Uh, we're also using it more and more, but I'm still not a big fan. But maybe that's also because I don't really understand video. I'm not mm. really like a, an image guy. I, I think you're right. It's more about they're using it as a promotion tool. Yeah. Right. And like you say about the production of video, firstly, if you produce a video, it's expensive Yeah. to get the same kind of results. And yeah. Secondly, you, you can't do better than a 13-year-old kid on YouTube for views, yeah. right? So forget it. It's yeah. like you won't get yeah. a million views when this kid's just knocking out Minecraft gameplay. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's the challenge, right? You'll, as a brand, you'll be up against those guys. I yeah. think it's because it's, it's the promotion part, isn't it? Everybody's struggling with audience growth. Yeah. And they're using video as the obvious target. There are other options. You mentioned the, the, like the Patreon-type example, the sponsored content the telegram groups Th these are all be another version of video it's another in the old days we had radio and you had music and you had radio today we have podcasts and we have what's that space and that space is video clubhouse telegram all the different airplay yeah. distribution channels right yeah yeah so i think yeah. that's kind of where yeah, it's yeah. going video is just one of many options in yeah there. I agree with you. And, and and still, I think it can work for promotion using like small snippets uh, to put on your LinkedIn page mm. because uh, when when you're just sharing a link with a little text, few people are going to uh, to stick to it and, and, and press the link, click on the link. Uh, and when you're uh, when you're uploading a video of 30 seconds and something is happening, people are going to, to stick to it and just mm. going to watch it. And if they find it interesting, they're going to click on your podcast. So I can imagine that it's that it will work for promotion. But there, there are also a lot of podcasters like putting the whole thing online and expecting yeah. people to go and watch the whole thing. And, uh, and the results are more uh, because people like to listen to a podcast while doing something else. Mm -hmm. I think uh, there are not that much many people who are going to sit at their couch late at night watching to a two hour podcast on video. Right. You can also watch vloggers on on YouTube, like Casey Neistat or whatever, yeah. who are who are real professionals and and, and are actually uh, making really good content. Yeah, or yeah. Netflix, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good man. It's it's a good conversation. I enjoyed this chat. Yeah, me too, man. 
You've been listening to The Age of Audio with me, Graham Brown, from the award-winning podcast agency Pickle & Co. To get access to all the audio conversations and book content for The Age of Audio, go to www.theageofaudio.com. One more time, theageofaudio.com. 